It's just just using it for the voice recording. Okay, friends, let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter number two, if you would, please. I'm sorry, Matthew one. Matthew chapter number one. Why did Jesus have to come? We're going to look at the reason why Jesus came. Now, there are many reasons, and this could easily be a series of lessons, a series of messages. But we're just going to look at the one main reason that was given at the announcement of his birth. And we're going to kind of explore that for the time that we have. Why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to come? Let's look at Matthew 1 and verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have. I pray that you would bless now as your word is preached. Help us to understand it. Lord, I pray you would help us to understand your truth a little bit better today. Help us to understand why you came. Lord, many of us are in the habit. It is our culture, Lord, to celebrate Christmas. And while we know that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, perhaps today we can learn a little bit more why you actually had to come. Lord, I pray that you would help me as I speak, help those who are listening. If someone is listening and they've never yet placed their faith and trust in you alone for salvation, pray that they would do that very soon. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, Lord willing, next week we'll do a message in regards to prophecies um, leading up to Jesus being born and kind of show many prophecies of of Jesus being born and how it's very, very clear uh, that Jesus is who he said he was. And one of the ways that we know that we can trust God and that we can trust his word The Bible is because of the fulfilled prophecies. If somebody predicted something uh, today and they said, tomorrow this is going to happen, right? And maybe let's just take, for example, like the weather and the weather people are 
they're not always really all that accurate. I mean, they're in the neighborhood, kind of, sort of. Uh, but that's not nearly as impressive as someone saying, okay, in 700 years, this is what's going to happen, right? And of course, none of us would be alive, but if it was recorded that someone had made that prediction and that prophecy, and then in 700 years, they were able to look back and say, wow, that was fulfilled with a great degree of accuracy. It would give us reason to pause and think, this person has special insight, right? This person has the spirit of prophecy. Let's take a moment, and before we get into why did Jesus have to come, let's take just a moment and look at just one of these prophecies, Isaiah 7. So Isaiah is going to be in the middle of your Bible, towards the middle, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Isaiah, Song of Solomon, and then Isaiah. So Isaiah 7, so it's close to the middle. Isaiah 7 and verse number 14. And this is just one of the prophecies that was given in regards to Jesus being born. And this was given over 700 years before the birth of Christ. This is just one. And we'll, Lord willing, we'll focus on making this a whole topic of study next week. But Isaiah 7 and verse number 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. And we'll dig into that a little bit more next week. But verse number 14 is the prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And many, many, many prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus Christ alone um, uh, were given in the Old Testament and they were fulfilled when Jesus was born. And that's why in our passage, it says in verse 22, now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God had a plan. God had a plan as to why Jesus was was to come. Why did he come? He had a plan all the way back, we can see in this one particular instance, 700 years before, plus it was even more than that. But God had a plan. What was the plan? What was the purpose? Why did God take the time to send his son, Jesus Christ, to be born? It says in verse 21, And it says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shall call his name Jesus. The word, the word Jesus or the name Jesus means savior. Okay. The old Testament name of Joshua is the same name in Hebrew. So the Hebrew name is Joshua and the, the, in, in the new Testament, right. They, 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 uh, the name is Jesus. 
but it means savior. And it was a common name in the time that Jesus was living. It was a very common name for for people to be called uh, Jesus. But it says, thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save us from our sins. He didn't just come to give us an amazing holiday that we can spend with family and to exchange gifts. He didn't come to give us a religion, thank the Lord. He didn't come just to give us more rules. Um, He came to save us from our sins. And so we're going to take a moment and go through some verses that bring that to light a little bit more in regards to Jesus saving us from our sins. Let's go to 1 John. That's all the way at the back of your Bible, close to Revelation. 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 John 3 and 5. Now here in our church, in a Baptist church, in, in, uh, we always encourage everyone to bring your Bible. Sometimes you can do that on your device, but I love paper Bibles. That's my preference. Okay, You can take little notes. It's yours. It's very personal. right? Um, and I, we look at digital for so many other things. And it just kind of makes it a little bit more special. And research actually says that you retain a bit more when you read from a, what I like to call a real book, right? From a paper um, uh, book than, than you do digitally, okay? So, uh, but one of the reasons we do that is because uh, I don't want you to just trust me as to what I'm reading is the Bible, right? That's how um, sometimes uh, people can take advantage of that. And in the past, history has shown that's like what cults do and what some uh, um, false religions will do is they just say, no, no, just trust me. They'll, they'll self, they'll self, they will say things like, only I can understand this and you can't understand this, right? Because I'm the pastor and you're not the pastor. You haven't had the training, so you can't understand it. But that's not true, right? And so that way we can all look together and, uh, and you can keep me accountable, right? Because you're reading it pastor i don't think that's what it says right if you have a question you're more than welcome to ask after the message (laughs) right but uh but that's why it's so important for us to try to bring our own bible and you do that and i'm so thankful that you do first john 3 and verse 5 and ye know that he was manifested that word manifested means to openly show right it's like an open house why was jesus manifested why was he openly showed why did he come it says He was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Why did he come? He came to take away our sins. Okay, let's go down to verse number eight in the same chapter. 1 John 3 and verse eight. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Now, This means that there are two sides. God looks at this world through two, he sees two groups of people. He doesn't divide us by race, right? Uh, There's one, uh, there's a verse in Acts chapter 17 that God views us all as one race, right? The human race, that's really what he sees. He doesn't see us uh, in in regards to skin tone or ethnicity or anything like that. He views us all as as, as human beings. But he does look at us in two different groups. He sees those who are saved and he sees those who are lost. 
And he sees those who are lost or those who are not yet saved. They've not yet trusted Christ as their savior. He sees them as being under the spiritual domain or control of Satan. And we'll see this in just a moment. But we see that there are two main sides in the spiritual world. We want to talk about, look at all the religions in the world. And some people say all the religions are basically the same. God's word teaches us that there are only two. There are two sides. There's the side of Jesus Christ and those who have trusted him for their salvation. And there are those who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that those who, these are those who commit sin, right? Uh, meaning it is their habit. They're habitual sinners. When we trust Christ as our savior, we are given a new heart. That's what it means to be born again. When we call on Christ for salvation, we're no longer trusting in our religion or trusting in ourselves trusting in being a good person, trusting in, in what we've done in the past, or I've been baptized and I've been to confirmation and I've done this and I've done that. Not that any of those things are bad, but they don't change our status in the eyes of God. Okay. Uh, all of us have a citizenship of some country, maybe multiple countries, right? Anybody a dual citizen? Oh, look, there's one. There's two. My hand's up too. Dual citizen. What a blessing, right? But all of us have at least one citizenship, right? We have the citizenship. And if you want to become a citizen of another country, right, you have to have a pretty good reason. There's a process in order to get a citizenship of another country. The, and sometimes it takes years, in order to get the citizenship, a Canadian citizenship. You've got to live here for a certain number of years. You've got to submit the paperwork. You've got to follow all of the rules, right? But the easiest way to get a citizenship is to be born there, <laughs> right? The easiest way to get a citizenship is, well, I was born in this country or I was born in that country and you're given that citizenship. And that's what, when we, when we come to Jesus Christ, and we believe on him for our salvation alone. We're not trusting anything in our past, any kind of religion. We're only trusting what he did for us on the cross. In a spiritual sense, he get, God gives us a new citizenship. We're born again into his family. And if we have not yet had that happen to us, we've not yet chosen that and had that experience then spiritually, we're still under the citizenship in the spiritual world of Satan. That's what it's teaching. And that's why it says here in verse number eight, look at it with me. He that committeth sin is of the devil. That word committeth means habitually commits. It is their habit. That's the way they do things in that country, right? We recognize how uh, people have different customs and different habits and do different things in different countries. And those who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are sinners. That's how God sees them. Uh, sinners meaning they miss the mark. They habitually miss the mark of what God wants for them. And it doesn't matter how often they go to church or if they've been baptized or what their religion may be. God isn't interested in any of that. He's interested in coming in and saving them from their sin. Right? He doesn't look at us as being good or bad. You're telling me I'm a bad person? I'm not saying anything. And God doesn't call anybody a bad person. 
right? There are either sinners or there are saved sinners. All of us are sinners, right? We all fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says in Romans 3. But notice why Jesus came. Verse 8, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Where did sin come from? Why do we have all of the problems in the world? Well, Satan is the one who started all of this mess. God created us. Satan sinned against God in heaven. And then he came down to earth and tempted Adam and Eve. And when they stepped over the line and sinned, that changed. Their spiritual DNA changed from that day. And now they were separated from God. They no longer had free access to God. They no longer had free communication with God. They now had to have some kind of something that helped them communicate with God. And it wasn't of their own choosing. It was God's choosing. But Satan has become the master of the spirits, the master or the ruler of those who are sinners, those who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so they belong to him. Now, most lost people don't know this. They just think, oh, I'm living my life. I'm doing what I want to do. Or maybe I don't believe in that. Or maybe they've never heard. Maybe they want to trust Christ, but they've just never heard the truth. But the Bible teaches very clearly that Satan is the God of this world. And he blinds people's minds to the truth. There is a spiritual darkness in this world when we look at the evil that is done to other people. When we look to the the mass shootings, to the wars, to the abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, when we look to human trafficking, when we look to greed, when we looked at all of, the, all of the stuff that's going on, where does it come from? Where does all that come from? It comes from the fact that we are sinners. But listen, there are three main players in this story. God, human beings, and Satan. Because we are fallen, we are open to temptation. We are open to it wide open to it. You guys ever, um, I don't know what your particular weakness may be in regards to like sweets. Oh, here we go. I'm listening. Yeah, everybody's looking around. Right? I don't know what your particular, but man, there's just some things that are just hard to say no to. We're not going to ask. Right? There's just some things you see, and especially if there's a free plate of it somewhere. And Christmas time's tough, eh? I mean, everybody's just, that's how we celebrate. We get sweets and plates of sweets and giant mounds of sweets. My son yesterday, you guys pray for me. I love Marcus. I, there's no way I could love him more. And one of the reasons I love him as a dad is that boy is in love with sweets. He... And I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Yesterday, we were about an hour into the event last night. And I didn't even know my own son. He had this look in his eye, like he was like this crazy wild animal. 
You know what it was? Sugar. Sugar changes children. It changes them. Marcus, how many cocos have you had? I don't know. That's not a good answer. Parents don't want to hear that answer. What do you mean you don't? Right? He's cutting off the guests in the line. And just, I mean, like... How many bags of cookies? Now there's two cookies in each bag. I don't know. Again, not a good answer. Not a good answer. It's hilarious. On the way to church this morning, I'm driving through the snow. Dad, I found three empty bags in my pocket. I think I had three bags of cookie. Marcus, I think you had more than that. I'm just going to be, because I saw you yesterday and you were a completely different child. Marcus, huh? Wow. Boy, no more candy for you. No more cookies. Okay, okay. Okay, then we're, then we're packing up. We're starting to take everything down. People are leaving. We're starting to pack everything. And we, there, was a, there was an event just before, and, the, and, uh, and it was a, a bake sale. This is inside, and they donated a bunch of stuff to us. They saw we were going to have an event, so all the stuff they didn't sell, including the hot cocos and all of the, the big things, unused hot cocoa and, and coffees, they brought it all out and gave it to us. Praise the Lord for that, right? Well, they had these little, and maybe you had one, these little, um, these little cups of, of cheesecake, fancy little cheesecakes. So as we were starting to pack up, I see Marcus go over to a chair, and he always crosses his legs like an adult, like he crosses his legs when he's getting down to business. And he's starting to open up. You are not having a cheesecake. You've had enough. Right? But he couldn't resist. And mom and dad were busy. And so that's what little kids do. Right? Guys, if we're honest with ourselves, there are some sins that we can say, yeah, nope, nope, not my thing. Nope, nope, nope. But there's other ones. We like it. It's like the cheesecakes. I'm not calling cheesecakes in. But it's like that. But then there are some other ones where we don't want to do it. But we have no power against it. It has power over us. It calls to us. We say, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to treat that person like that again. I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I know the temptation is there. I'm going to stay away from it. But it's like that cheesecake calling to us as soon as we see it. And it's just, we're powerless. We're powerless. Why is that, guys? Why are we like that? There may be something specifically that's come into your mind because we're all individuals and we all have individual battles, individual backgrounds. There's some people that just give into it completely. The, the Bible word is iniquity. If we read the King James Version, it's iniquity. It's the kind of the, it's kind of like the excitement of doing the wrong thing. 
Some people just completely give into it. Right? And they know in the back of their mind that there's going to be judgment for that. God puts that sense inside of every one of us that one day we're going we're gonna to have to give an account. There's something inside of us that says, don't, 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 don't. But we do. And then we get into kind of this little bit of a cycle of addiction. Sometimes it actually is an addiction. But sometimes it's just a cycle. And then some people just completely give themselves over to it. And that's how we see these really evil, evil things in this world. But why are we so vulnerable to that? It's because there is a tempter in this world. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it made us defenseless. Defenseless against temptation. We may have a certain degree of self-control and discipline, but the Bible says that every one of us is a sinner. I mean, we've all crossed that line. And if we're honest, we've crossed the line more than once. But I want you to see in this verse, why did Jesus come? He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us, to save us from sin. We know that. But notice what it says in 1 John 3 and verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 1 John 3 and 8. Let's read it one more time. 1 John 3 and 8. This is the second half of the verse. 1 John 3 and 8. You guys got it? We good? Because I want you to see this. Why did he come? He didn't come to give us presents, right? I mean, we love Christmas. We love celebrating the holidays. Christmas tree, the red and the green. You know what? what did, where did that come from? Honestly, I don't care. I just enjoy it. Like, that's just me. That's my own personal feeling, right? I love all of it. Santa Claus, no Santa Claus. You do whatever you want to do. Where we just, it's just whatever. We, we don't teach our kids Santa Claus real, right? It's just whatever. But it's, it's fine. It's good. But it's, it's not, we, 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 Jesus didn't come just to give us a holiday, right? Why did he actually come? What's the real reason? To save us from our sin, okay? We can see he saved us from our sin, but also notice he saved us from the temptation. He came to give us, listen, he came to give us a a defense to save us from the big, bad, ugly, powerful tempter that we are so open and vulnerable to. Because oftentimes we as human beings, we think, I don't want to do that anymore. And that is whatever we're thinking of. That is the sin. But the secret killer assassin that's whispering to something inside of us that's pushing us towards this and even giving us like the reasons of why it might be okay. That little voice in our head sometimes, not like a real voice, but like just the little, the little nudge, the little, come on. That's Satan. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy 
the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. We're almost done. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. Guys, look, this is more powerful than psychology. Because psychology helps identify a problem. It may or may be true, the identification, right? It's a soft science, so sometimes it's incredibly accurate. Other times it it may be a little bit off. It's more powerful than psychology. Why? Because, Because there is a God in heaven that can help you with what you're dealing with. Psychology can only can only show you the problem and then tell you this is how you need to fix it. And if you can't fix it, here's a drug that you can take. Again, in some cases that's needed, for sure. Some people have medical issues. But there's a God in heaven that loves you and sent his son to be born of a virgin and to die on the cross for you. Why did he have to die on the cross? Because all of that sin... That the world, if you can imagine all the sin that the world has been doing has been accumulating. There is a law of sin and death. Ever since Adam and Eve, we've been under a new system, a new system of laws. Everybody was born into this system of laws, spiritual system of laws. Where if we sin, it results in death. And it separated us from God and we're born under this system. We're born under this system of oppression, temptation, sin. There's a part of us that wants to do right. There's a part of us that doesn't want to do right. And when we give in, even one time, it puts us on the side of being condemned. And in our own human thinking, we've come up with all of these different religions throughout time. And Satan has been helping us with our imaginations with that. And that's why so many of them are so similar. Amen. And Jesus says, they need to be saved from sin and from the tempter. And what happens when we accept Christ as our Savior? What does it mean to accept Christ as our Savior? It means that we believe he is who he said he was. Okay, We we have to believe he was a historical person, that he was real. Not just a story, not just a religious thing. And by the way, there are many religions out there that believe in gods and goddesses, but they don't actually believe they were real as in that they walked on the earth, right? And Jesus was not just a spiritual person, a spiritual being. He actually came in flesh and walked on this earth. But we have to believe, we have to believe in the historical accuracy of it, but we also have to believe in the purpose of why he did it. And the purpose is he came to die on the cross for our sins. And what happens was he was able to absorb all of the sin into his purity. Uh, my wife has got these super special. I don't understand this. These super special makeup rags. Microfiber. I don't understand this. She's in love with them. She thinks they're incredible. 
This may be the only time Jesus has been compared to a makeup wiper thing. So you guys hold on. She's like, it's incredible. You put a little bit of water under it and just one wipe, clean. I don't get it. It's important to her and I'm glad she's happy. I don't wear makeup. (laughs) Thought I needed to say that. Right? But it just, it does its thing. Something had to clean us from sin. And to put us on the side of victory and on the side of God. We can't do it. So Jesus says, I'm going to absorb all the sin of, of mankind and I will die for all of it. I will be the perfect, innocent sacrifice. I mean, imagine if somebody went into the jail and said, I will pay all of the fines and I will serve all of the time that everybody owes so that everybody can be set free. Imagine if that was possible. That'd be awesome, right? I'll pay all the fines and I will serve all of the time and put all of it on me and then everybody else can, get, can, can be free and go home to their families. That's essentially what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why we talk about trusting him as our savior. So when we're looking at him dying on the cross, we're saying he did that for me. He took my sin that separated me from God and kept me out of heaven. And so once we do that, we're given a new heart. It's not that we don't sin. It's that now we've got this new heart that runs away from sin. It's not our habit to be in a sin as a Christian. That's the difference. And we'll be done with this. But 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. For though I walk in the flesh, meaning flesh, meaning body. We all have bodies, flesh. Though I walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The problem is we still have that enemy. He's going to talk about it here in a moment. We have an enemy of the flesh. We have the enemy of the tempter. We still have that person that's whispering to us and tempting us and and looking at the cheesecake, right? So to speak, whatever our little thing is, right? For some people, it may be something sexual. For some people, it may be anger. For some people, it may be they're just a habitual liar. It it, it could be, I could could go and just list off a million different things. It doesn't really, but... But we're tempted. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's why it says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of Satan. He came to save us from our sin, but Jesus, when he saves us from our sin, he saves us from the power of it. He saves us from the, from, from, from the penalty of it. We're no longer going to hell. We no longer have to deal with that, right? And he saves us from the power of it. We don't have to do it anymore. Now we're on the side of Jesus. One day he's going to save us from the presence of sin. We're going to be in heaven with him. But he saves us from the tempter. He saves us from the tempter. We don't have to live like that anymore. We don't, we don't have to say, I can't. 
I just can't. I can't grow. I can't change. I can't be any different. This is my personality. I was born like this. God gives you, listen, you have, may have been born like that. But that's why God says, you must be born again. And you may not have that power in your old birth, in you who you originally were, in the broken, fallen state that we were all born as. But if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. The lies that you've been telling yourself. The lies that maybe were told to you about you. Somebody called you a loser sometime. Somebody treated you different. Somebody treated you badly. Somebody, maybe somebody treated you in, a, in, in an abusive manner. And, 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 and maybe there was something traumatic that happened. And, and, and we can start telling ourselves these lies. This is who I am. I am like this. I am, I am, I am, I am. And so much of the victory that Jesus came to bring us is to break the lies that we have told about ourselves. Well, pastor, you don't know who I am. Listen, if you come talk to me about some issue you have in your life, I'm going to tell you that may be true, but you don't understand who he is. He came to give you a real discernible victory in your life. Jesus came so that he can break the lies that I've been telling myself about myself. I'm not a loser. I'm victorious. Jesus calls me an overcomer. He never calls us perfect as in sinless. But a big part of the victory of being a Christian is learning to think of yourself the way God thinks about us. Lies about ourselves about lies about others. Satan is the liar. He's the father of lies. And we tell ourselves a lie long enough, or he whispers a lie to us long enough. We think it's true. We think it's true. While other people, they're always, that's probably a lie. They're always, that's probably a lie. Christ came to deliver us from lies that we tell ourselves about other people. And lastly, he came to deliver us from lies that we believe about God. Lies about yourself, lies about others, and lies about God. It's amazing the lies people believe about God. They want to take all of the credit for everything good that's happened in their life. And they want to blame God for all the bad. That's not what scripture says. Satan's never part of the equation, is he? Who's the tempter? Who's the accuser? Who's, who's the destroyer? Satan is. Who's the father of lights that gives us good gifts and amazing gifts? That'd be God. And if we're a Christian and we've trusted Christ as our savior... This is how we approach scripture. This is how we approach church services. This is how we approach worship songs. What are the lies that I believe about myself, about others, and about God? Christ came to deliver us from that. To deliver us from that. To live our life based on truth. Jesus told Thomas, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Everybody bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.